Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Lobster and TV. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Lobster and Beer TV. I'm your host, Brian Thompson. Today's guest is a rapper, producer, songwriter, and platinum-selling recording artist. His diverse catalog of music covers many genres and includes collaborations with artists such as Enrique Iglesias, B.O.B., Pharrell, Mike Posner, and Method Man, just to name a few. His hit song, All Night Longer, is a mainstay at bars, clubs, parties, frat houses, sorority, all across the country. You know that song. What really draws me to him is his love for his fans and outspoken support for mental health advocacy. So without further ado, coming to us live from Brooklyn, New York with a lobster and a beer, ladies and gentlemen, it's Sammy Adams. What's good? What is poppin' fellas? What's good, my dude? So I had to, uh, I had to, I had to wait to snap this John off. Yes, sir. We, Make uh, sure we wanna. It's like we wanna. You, you gotta always have a, you gotta always have one on deck. Look at that. Let's. Oh, I was about to say you that, hit that pour perfectly. That was that was not, no effort at all. That's nice. It's like it's you almost like I've it's almost like I've done this before. It's crazy. Nah, man. First time for everyone, right? So, bro, the beer. It's like the beer is the easiest part, but the flip on the food. Take a yeah. look. Oh damn, Ooh. dude. Oh, you chopped up the jalapenos. That's a little different than when we just did full slices. I like that style. I mean, I cut them like in half a little bit. Yeah. That looks fresh as fuck, man. So, yeah, I'm hyped to jump into this. How y'all been? What's good? We've been good, man. We, uh, we've we been spending the day watching the first week of football, so you're really entertained by that. And, yes, uh, sir. This is, uh, this is, so we've done like five, six episodes now. This is the first lobster roll we've done with mayonnaise, which is the, the main style. We've done mostly the Connecticut style with, with hot butter. And uh, you decide what, what inspired the, the jalapenos. I mean, like, I've always, I've always just, like, really fucked with Mexican food and, like, spicy food. Um, it's not always, like, on some jalapeno shit. Like, literally, like, some shit my dad makes is just the seeds from jalapenos and he like grinds them up and that's like where all the spice comes from because you if you take them oh, off yeah. of the jalapenos like some of the joints in the store they don't even have seeds so they're not really spicy but the taste of them yeah, is yeah. amazing and i've like i've never heard someone make a lobster roll with like a you know a spicy like unit to it so i was like let's For rock real, with yeah. this I love that, man. We've done a couple with like a hot sauce on it, but yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing with any sort of pepper. The fresh jalapenos. Yeah, the only, the actual only like non-sauce ingredient we've had was basil, right? Yeah. So this is dope. I'm excited. I'm excited to try this. I'm, I'm gonna jump in. Jump in. Let's this dude's already yeah, done. I'm with this first roll. This thing's Jeez, staring dude. at me. I'm like, let's go. Let's go. Oh yeah. Oh god. Oh yeah. I love it. That's fresh as fuck. Now the Sammy Adams mayo with the jalapenos. That yep. that definitely works. That's got the stamp of approval. Add the Sammy Adams roll yep. to the menu. Let's go. Um, I mean, damn, dude. I, like you know what's great about it too is like, bro. I was dying when y'all like when you sent the instructions. I was looking at it and it reminded me of like <laughs> my grandmother, rest in peace, because like we would take her to these hood spots in the city, and she'd be like, make sure you. For my hot dog, butter the roll on both sides. And I'm like, yo, this is a hood spot. Like, fuck out of here, bro. They're looking at me like, I'm crazy. And I'm like, we can't take you anywhere. Like, this is fucking nuts. That's awesome. How do you how do you like the beer? Yo, it's bomb. I'm not really a pumpkin guy. But this shit slaps. It's pretty good. We, uh, we, we stepped it up and did the uh, cinnamon sugar rim on the glass. Oh, five, well, that's the thing. It's like the thing about, you know, like if if we're all in like our white girl bag, it's like, you know, pumpkin spice lattes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he just called us out so hard. No, right, so nah, but the, the first thing I tasted was that it's like it would be bomb with some cinnamon. Like it really it is, was. Yeah, it, we uh, we've had we've had these a bunch of times before, but this is the first time I've done it with Me the too. rim. Yeah. 
And this shit, so this shit popped off in New England. You know, shipyards, uh, they're from Portland, Maine. And they uh, they popped off in New England because of this beer with the, the pumpkin rim in Boston. And oh, it no shit. Like a huge commodity. Yeah, so this is my first time even being from that area, actually having this combo. And it's, it's fucking good, dude. Yeah. It is, and like he's, yeah. Sammy said, too, I'm not a big I'm not a big pumpkin guy either, but it's it's not too overbearing. It really works. No, yeah. it's, it's, it's actually nice. Like, there's... You know, people try to finesse and like force, not even, not even finesse. They try to just like force anything pumpkin down your throat when it's like a Halloween style party. It's like, bro, yeah. ain't nobody trying to eat like pumpkin tacos. Fuck out of here. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> could be pretty good. It might be. Well, bomb. yo, for real, yo. Before we dive into it, man, um, I have a little beef that I have to clear up with you real quick. Oh shit. Uh, yeah, dude. So for a long time, you know, I'm. I struggle with mental health a little bit, but there was there was like one placebo effect that worked for me for so long. Yeah. And it was something from you and then you switched it up, man, and, and it really fucked up my mental state for a long time. And I have to ask, why did you stop with the life tips? Oh man. So <laughs> I thought this was going so much deeper than that. <laughs> uh, so like I got contacted by like Snapchat um, and they were like, your favorite filters are now available. And I was like, you had to, they basically were trying to make, <laughs> they were like basically trying to make you pay for them, but it was outrageous. Like you couldn't even, you couldn't even like, unless you're doing like a party or something where everyone can use that filter wherever you are, you have to put a block radius. So it was like the end of my block to like, you know, maybe four square blocks around it. And it's like $70 for 24 hours. I'm like, how the oh, fuck ridiculous. are y'all taking my number one joint? Like, yeah, for real. So I'm, I'm like actually working with someone else to like make that same filter. Cause it's really not that hard. And like the, yeah. the annoying part is they have the thing where it like makes your teeth pop out or it like makes you frown, but, or it makes you smile. But like the frown face, how are you going to take that off? Like the life tips were absolutely classic on tour. They were on point, dude. They and were like, fucking on and point. Like when you, that shit had me dying. And dude. when you have people like, you catch people slipping in the airport, it's just <laughs> mad, it's mad funny. Cause like they'll look at you and like, it's like, I'm not really doing that much and it's not that big of a deal, but hold this L real quick. <laughs> Well, actually, I mean, that was like literally an inspiration for Brian. And, you know, obviously, you know, we do with we're with Lobster all the time. So we kind of, you know, branch off into the main Boston accents occasionally. And I'm pretty sure he mimics the exact same one that you do. I didn't even realize, bro, to be honest, when when I brought that up, when we were getting ready for the show, I was like, yo, like he actually used to do these life tips that used to crack me up all the time, dude. And then I remembered, we always say, like, we'll literally be like, yeah, ha here's some free lobster. Enjoy it. Now go fuck yourself, bud. Yeah, and I like, realized, I, I was like, yo, I think I got that from Sammy, dude. Bro, <laughs> that shit literally, like, watch, no cap. This shit went nuclear with my fans. Like, people send me shit. Look, I'm not even lying. No <laughs> someone sent you that <laughs> yeah someone sent me it and like then they they started making clothing and it said life tip and i was like yo fall the fuck back <laughs> yeah yeah right i mean it's, awesome, you know at, at the same time it's like it's cool if you're inspiring someone but you can't just take someone's whole shit and make Merch, no, dude. you know yeah no not at all man but not it, at all but it is there's something to say about you doing something that you probably had zero, you know, actual, like, you weren't trying to make something that was going to sell. Like, you were just being yourself, dude. And no, yeah, I, I was, I was literally, like, on some, you know, I was on some, like, kind of just going with it. And, like, between yeah. that and, like, hey, guys, how you doing? Doesn't matter. Go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> like... It's just like sometimes like you like I've actually taken time off of social media because like when you're making music and, you know, writing for other people and producing for other people and all this shit, it's like you really do need that time on your own. And I, I see so many people and it's crazy because like 
look, I have Apple stock, so I'm like, yeah, 100%. I hope everyone buys a yeah. fucking iPhone. But it's like there's just too many people on their phone, and, like, there's a lot of life that they're missing out on. And for me, absolutely, man. social media has made kind of, like, a 180 on me, and it's kind of coming back to 360 in terms of, like, actually helping me. But it's it, you got to be on there less because, like, when you're on your phone just – 24 hours a day it's like you're not getting better at anything you're not getting better at your craft um more than likely you're focusing on the wrong shit and like for me a, a lot of the times i was i never gave a shit if someone was hating because like you know hating is like the most like high it's form of flattery exactly it's, it's like the highest yeah. praise you can get so yeah i had to cut it out a little bit just to kind of recenter like my values and shit that I care about because like I started to care yeah. about how many likes pictures we're getting and all this shit and like bro yep. I've been doing this shit for 13 years and that is like word to god like word to everything you know the universe is taking care of me and like my fans are the number one thing in the world but it's like I will take a year to two years to put out a single just because it's like I, I always find things wrong with it. And I'm, I've been getting better at not being so precious um, yeah. with my content and with my songs because we have a shit ton in the vault. And like, you know, I, I just feel like there's a big disconnect when you sign to a major label, start to get on um, in terms of like breaking records and like, not like not saying that in terms of like breaking records streaming wise, just breaking records to the larger appeal and the commercial side of the music game. It's difficult and it really like with social media involved, it can drown the shit out of you. Um, so it's it's like been a it's been really nice feeling like and getting that balance between what is healthy and what you know, it's OD. Like, there's nothing you can do to change someone that just fucking hates you because they're from Boston. It's like, that's yeah, totally I, fine. Yeah. I don't expect I, everyone to like Boston. me, too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm from New York, and I, I gotta say, I still like you. So My guy. That's fucking <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Hey, cheers, cheers to that. Cheers to Cheers to that. That is big. For real. That is big. No, but, but it's, it's on, great. On that subject, dude, like when you started off, it was like 2007, 2008, social media was obviously popping off then, especially Facebook, but yeah. there wasn't like, there wasn't really stories, like there wasn't like that full access to an artist. So I'm sure the development of it over the years probably played a role in you being like, yo, I, as much as this maybe helps my career, you kind of had a jump at the beginning where you didn't even have to deal with that shit. Yeah. And you were able to just get the big push. Um, and then, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was a, it was definitely a different time. Like for, for like the, like for Facebook and YouTube, everything was kind of, everything was kind of like, I guess YouTube had been out for a while. Facebook had been out for a while, but there was no IG Twitter was like kind of meh, whatever. Uh, definitely not yeah. what it is now. Um, so we just kind of clocked in on like the early editions of Facebook ads and really running shit through YouTube that you really can't even do now. Like you can't do yeah. a remix of someone's song without getting no. clapped. Um, yep. So, you know, you have to buy like, licensing for it. And then it's like, yeah. And it's even with yeah. that, it's like, you know, it's, it's ridiculously expensive. Or if you actually want to go through the process and sample someone like, you know, I've been sued by a couple massive iconic global icons and it's not a fun process because they don't even fucking know that you're doing that it's their lawyers behind closed doors so yep. um with copyright attorneys and everything these days it's like it's harder and harder but somehow the you know market is more like saturated and there's just so much music out from each genre especially in terms of like this new melodic rap wave which you oh, know yeah. it's like it's weird because like I've I like a hundred percent the first thing like in my mind and that I would always talk to with a therapist or a you know a publisher or a, like PR person is like you have to really be careful with how you say things because you can sound super like 
cocky and full of yourself when you're really just saying like I took a leap of faith and jumped on here and did mm-hmm. this when no one else was doing it. So it's like, you know, I like early in my career, I was getting caught up like saying like, you know, we're not pioneering this type of music, but dubstep and, you know, putting rap over EDM hasn't really been done like that. Maybe the only other dude at the time doing that was like example. And then, yep. um, you know, and, and he's amazing and w- jumped on a bunch of Calvin Harris records and like his his production game was always out of control. But um, yeah, it's yeah. it's weird because like things have gone like to TikTok's like the biggest thing now. No one ever yeah. thought Instagram would get beat out by like a TikTok. So it's crazy. Yeah, there, there's a sense where it's like, especially like you were just speaking at the beginning about YouTube, you know, doing all the copyright stuff and blocking you because, you know, songs like Trouble Remix that you blocked yeah. off with that shit and then even the dubstep remixes man like yeah i get like youtube has their policies and they're you know they're trying to protect but but there's a piece of it though that now that that's such a thing it almost stops you from making that music but that shit popped up like dude when you were playing fucking Lollapalooza 2011 and you're dropping like you're going from like the the boston boy ep to like some of these dubstep songs and it's popping off like that's That's the that's what a festival is all about, dude. That's what the vibe is all about. I mean, a hundred percent. It's like those those type of things always kind of piss me off because you shouldn't. I don't know. I I think you should be able to do. You know, if if, as long as you're not like collecting money on these records and it's not on Spotify, I don't see any problem with it. And like that's that's Mm -hmm. I guess where it changed. And I mean for. For me, like when it comes down to it, like why the fuck do you care that I'm gonna get like a couple hundred thousand streams on some shit? What's that? Ten grand? Like mm-hmm. I don't even need to monetize this shit. So no, it's like it, it kind of takes away from the artist, like the artistic process for me because like you know Drizzy is one of the only like Drake's one of the only dudes that can put out a record and it's like first song on his album it makes me literally bar up in my head when i'm driving right. or listening yeah. to it so if that is obviously you know i, I think it kind of puts a damper on the like the output and flow of creativity because you should always be able to go in on someone else's beat it's not like you know anyone in the world can body drizzy but at the same time they give the okays to like the Freddie Gibbs and dudes in the rap line. Um, and like, you got to leave it on SoundCloud, but SoundCloud has done a lot for artists oh, yeah. and like has, has moved, moved the needle for juice world XXX. Like, oh, yeah. you know, like it's been pretty crazy to see how, how uh, like that space has grown so much. And like, there's a little bit of red tape with like their repost thing, but I'm not mad at like, just you know some secondary bread from from putting shit on there but you just it sucks you have to be careful with what you put out because something's so like locked and it's like bro it's like if someone wants to remix my song and cover it the last thing i'm scared of is them doing it better than me i'll just give them praise and like shout it out like i think i think that shit's dope like I, i i love hearing covers of songs that you know for every ten thousand joint that sucks it's like there's a couple of diamonds in the rough that are amazing and like exactly. that and that can jump into a career and you can bring someone on tour or you know there's like all the all the opportunities in that lane are kind of endless so absolutely and there's a fine line though between like actual remix of a song where you're like yo i'm taking Taylor yep. swift's trouble i'm i'm gonna make a hip-hop remix of it and actually like copywriting a song where you're just copying the melody and that piece. So I, I understand that part of it, but a remix, man, it sucked for the hip hop world over the years because the music business has grown and the business side of it has grown so much mm-hmm. that there are all those claims and it's hard to do that because I think most of the artists, to be honest, like if they didn't have big labels behind them, just like you just said, which the position you're in, if someone remixes one of your songs and it's dope, you're like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Kill that. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, it's difficult because like a lot of the, I think a lot of the, um kids making music now it's like they don't understand that you don't always necessarily need an r or you don't need like anything else but the team you build and it really it really depends on hard work and what you 
you know, you got to solidify your sound. Like that's, that's the most important part. Like if you can't go into like, you know, music attorney or an entertainment lawyer's office and tell them why you make music and how do you, you know, describe your sound in less than two sentences. If you don't have that down, it's going to be very difficult to catch any type of deals or anything. So, mm-hmm. um, Speaking on that, dude, I want to go back before we continue to get carried away because I, I, I could dive into like music business talk all day long. Of course, same. I have my own, yeah, beliefs within shit. But take me back, man. Like 2000, 2008, 2009, you were playing D1 soccer in college. D3, yeah, at Trinity. D3 soccer at Trinity. And you, was that the time where you made I Hate College Remix? So I had, I think, I think it was there. I had like a couple like rough drafts of that record, but I never really did anything with it. And then like, I think Asher Roth put out the greenhouse effect and it wasn't on that. I think it was, maybe it was on that. Um, but I just heard the beat and like I knew the producer, I knew Mike Karen, who like that's who his artist was. Yeah, yeah. And just decided to flip it. And you know, it's like the it was adult flip. The yeah. illest part of that was like when we would go to, you know, parties, house parties, frat parties, wherever, and like dudes that I was cool with at frat parties would like, you know, throw it on and they'd be like, Whoa yeah. and like seeing it kinda like just like it was like electric out like throughout the yeah. room seeing like the the like all types of people like dudes wearing fucking duck boots and barber coats like fucking <laughs> actually fuck with my music is never something i thought i'd see in my life so yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was it was sick and then like from, from that from that point on i just i kind of just started to feel like you know let's make mad songs let's make mad joints yep. and then we can you know, we can come play them at these venues and places and literally at the same time, it's, it's like a live representation of what, like the payoff is that the payoff is seeing people react to your music in either a positive or negative way. It's like, and like, honestly, luckily for me, I never really had that many bad experiences with dudes minus some dudes that, you know, I might, I may have done some shit in the past that you didn't like. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, um, but <laughs> but sorry, yeah, ladies. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know, it at the end of the day, I think I think that that's like kind of a, a lost art where like you, you can't really just go grab the aux cord and play your shit anymore, or you put it online oh, and it gets man. taken down. So it's like it sucks. Exactly. I'm, gonna go grab, I'm yeah. gonna go grab another beer. Grab it. Yeah, let's go. Let's get it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Pat's lost. That's the uh, Patriots lost. Damn, seventeen. Uh, Pat's lost. Seventeen sixty. How many did Mac Jones have? Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that, that's a big one for me. <laughs> Damn, I, yeah, we got I got on that. I got railroaded on that one. Yeah, that's not good for me. I have them. Week one is so ways. hard to bet on, man. Week one is hard to bet, especially this year. Two sixty. How about the fucking Packers? Get out of here. It's like, dude, who told him that he should he should grow his hair out? Like, cut that shit immediately. <laughs> yeah, dude, for real. He needs, like I said, he's just, wearing like a jean jacket, like, you know, Grease Lightning-esque. I think he's, he's trying to bring it he back. He was playing too much golf also. He's going to get slapped in his fucking mouth by Shailene Woodley tonight. <laughs> True. <laughs> that fucking that Woodley was the dude who got fucking kicked out. No, Shirley Woodley's the ladies dating. Oh no, Wood, but Woodley was the guy who got, got kicked, kicked out of the game yeah. earlier today. Yeah. But yeah, I but mean, real quick though, I want to say too, with going back to what you were saying on the remixes too, I still gotta say that the I hate college remix still like is that's one of those things where it was better than the original, and like I said, thank God that was able to get out. Because earlier we were just talking about I, that song. Still, st- still, I I don't remember I hate or I love college, but I still remember the chorus from I hate college. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know like there, it's like it's funny because a lot of people, uh, a lot of people feel 
some type of way, whether you're like you were an Asher fan or you fucked with me before, it's just like it's weird because like when you get to when you get to like being like from your city and you're doing your thing, people show up in Boston. I'm not gonna lie, it's like there's there's probably like 60 40 love to hate which is totally fine because if someone hates you in boston it means they probably just hate their life um, that doesn't assholes come on <laughs> so so it doesn't matter but like even you know even when <laughs> even when you get off of major labels and you don't have as big of a marketing span to like put towards your music like you know people are just mad corny with the comments like oh do you, yep. do you still hate college but love all the parties and it's like i'll like I'll pass on fucking even <laughs> even giving you one ounce one second of exactly, my it's, time, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's stupid. It's it, it's it's uh, it's unfortunate, man. And and that's what we were talking about a second ago, where it's you know the, the social media and and how much negativity resides on there. And what you just said, it's like those people probably unfortunately hate themselves when they're hating on people so much in social media and. At the end of the day, man, you you've been making music your whole life. That's unique yeah. and true to who you are, and that's beautiful. And yeah, there's always gonna be haters because the level that you've been rise to, you're gonna have your haters, man. That shows the level because again, the fact that people are still bringing up things that were ten years old oh, and yeah. that still sticks with them. That's that's, that's, actually, <laughs> that's honestly a fucking compliment. Yeah, for me. I mean. I mean, and like that's like that's a great point because it's like you know they're like especially with you know when we were talking before we started record about like like kids' mental health and my fans' mental health like it's not a cap in terms of like I don't know I've had probably three or four uh, fans like literally commit suicide and like they've told me that they're like better because of the music and then you know, it just goes to shit and it's like rest in peace to all them. But it's like this whole like social media thing has had a pretty bizarre and negative impact on a lot of people. Cause you yeah. have to, you know, you have to endure a bunch of this shit. And like, I really don't care if some, you know, drunk girl in Nantucket comes up to me like, are you like the real? And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's like, it happens all the time where it's like, if someone's not really, you know, comfortable in their own skin, they'll just come and kind of try to bother you. Like it happened last night. Like, wait, are you like the real Sammy Adams? And it's like, I'm taking a picture with someone. And like, for some reason, I guess like me just smiling for the picture, like they're like, Oh, you're just too cool. Right. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like the the funny thing is nowadays, that's the complete opposite. Usually people who like, you know, who don't smile, you're like, Oh, you're too cool for this. Anybody who's actually willing to smile. Are you kidding me? It's like, it's like, it's like a, it's like a lose, lose situation. It's like, I can't, everything. It's like, you know, it's like for, for what, you know, me and my like OG team built to, you know, make our, make our lane and make our sound something that you can't pigeonhole is just rap or just hip hop pop r&b it's everything like you can't even pigeonhole us because unless you listen to the entire discography which isn't on spotify it's not on apple music um you don't really know what you're talking about so it's like i think honestly in a lot of ways i've really dealt with some shit because I don't really care what other people think. And I think people take that as like pompous or um, like pompous or just like unbelievably like obnoxious. And like, I know there's been times where yes, I've been obnoxious. I've been a little full of myself, (laughs) but at the same time, like I built this shit from the ground up. I had 69 cents in my bank account at Trinity. And then two weeks later, I was going to like eat breakfast with Jimmy Iovine. Tell me who the fuck glowed up like that. Yep. Like point. So what? So bring us back to that time, man. Like what, what led to that meeting with Jimmy Iovine? Like what, where was the start? From just 69 like, cents just like the numbers that we did and, you know, the behind the scenes type shit, we were 
we were doing shows at like Dartmouth Frats, Trinity Frats, a bunch of places on the East Coast, and like mainly Northeast. A couple of Chicago shows where you got to like earn your stripes. There's so many clubs you go play to, and no one gives a fuck. And then when you get one song on the radio or one song that's getting kind of you know, some mainstream love, which there was no Spotify. There was no Apple music. Um, there yeah. was iTunes, but there really wasn't much of that. Like, and you know, FM radio really took the cake back then. So we would go do, I don't know, probably 50 shows in a year on top of a calendar, 200 years, uh, 200 days touring. Like that's dope. Yeah. And, it it just gets exhausting and like at the end of the day like you really just don't want to talk to a lot of fm radio djs because they don't do <laughs> any fucking work they don't look up yeah. shit they don't research you're like so oh, no. what's your full name it's like my guy it's on wikipedia dickhead <laughs> go fuck yourself yeah, yeah exactly go fuck yourself hey, do me a favor go fuck yourself <laughs> how's your mother good from time fucking your father Cheers to that. But cheers it's like, to that. yeah, cheers to that one. Cheers. But yeah, it's you know, it's 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 uh, it's crazy because all this all this shit is like brand new in terms of, you know, the years FM radio has reigned over, uh, the music industry is wild and it's a classic case of careful what you wish for because we're like fuck FM radio, then it goes to Spotify. It's like fuck Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real, exactly, exactly. So, but yeah, um, but, I, I want to fly through a couple things. Um, yeah, from from like popping off, and with with you know, I hate college and moving up to that. Like you started collaborating with some killer artists. Yeah, Mike Posner. What was that like? Uh, the L.A. Story, one of my favorite songs, man. Same. I mean, he he's unreal. Like he's kind of he's kind of like just a young little guru in his own mind um and like (laughs) he's he's just like he's very aware of the things that he does and he has this kind of like like just overall presence that is wild and like he he wasn't originally like that like he was kind of like you know, in that pompous stage where you're just like yeah. all about fucking wh- how many J's you have, what kind of like whips you're buying, the cribs you're buying, and it all changed. And like that, yeah. like I just have mad respect for him as a songwriter and an artist because like he taught me a lot about just, you know, making what you want to make and not dialing it in just for the consumer because you never know who's going to jump on a song and what makes your song go number yeah. one. And like, he, he's like a, a product of that, that I kind of was like one of his disciples where it's like, dude, this is fucking crazy. Cause like, yeah. it, like some of his like songs that he put out didn't go crazy. And then a remix like that seed remix of pill and Ibiza, which I'm not sure if he still yep. hates that song, but I, I'm pretty sure he wasn't a fan. And it's like one of his biggest songs. So, <laughs> so it's like, there's a classic. Well, the, thing the about, original you know, was so, the original was so dope by itself. Yeah. hundred percent. Beautiful you know, acoustic, he, like folk song. Yeah. He, and he was, he is like he's just a a really good guy and like you know i think um a lot of shit comes to light when you lose someone super important and like when he lost his dad like he really needed to do some soul searching because that's that's your man it's like when my dad passes away that's gonna be a really tough time in my life um absolutely to try to push through but he's always i don't know man he's always given me so many like wild vibes like i remember i just remember times where like i was just down and like not feeling the shit i was doing and i would like link up with mike in la and he'd say some wild shit like my my fiance said some shit the other day like i remember when mike came up to me and was like do you remember what a ticonderoga number two pencil smells like (laughs) (laughs) 
And I was like, yo, that is wild crazy. But yeah, I definitely do. Like it's, yeah, it's, I it's, it's because you do. Like, are we are we talking are we talking lead or when they change the graphite though? Uh, I'm hoping graphite, but I'm probably I probably got some lead up in here, so you never. Know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, That's I mean, awesome. he, he he's unreal. And like in, in terms of in terms of just like you know going through shit in like industry standard, it's it's um you know everyone has a different path and a different journey, but it's it, it was really dope to lock in with him on that and like you know like the the director the video all the producers everything it's just like it's cool to get in that scene and kind of like you know have a vibe with people because these days it's like you know we can we can barely even do like in-person shit these days it's all it's all like a zoom or it's a webex or it's a something like stream yard stream yard's a new one for me They're like, we're from like Costa Rica. A... I'm like, okay. What are you, what are you guys running, what are you guys running from? <laughs> are you are you're performing live on that? Nah, just just like like basically, like I have like a I have like an NFL show with like three of the homies and we just kinda like fuck around and give out plays <laughs> and shit. And you know, it's like there's there's just so many avenues like of, yeah. of like a kind of like nouveau type zoom where you can like connect with people because like i don't think america's even like allowed in most countries now i think we're like yeah. kind of blacklisted for a minute which it's like gotta be the first time ever for real so it's kind of crazy absolutely dude do you have a question oh oh yeah well one thing i really want to know is you know are you so you're actually related to john adams John Quincy Adams, yes. Yeah. Great, 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 great grandfather freed the slaves from the Amistad and I'm a white rapper, so. So does that give you, though? That's that, actually, that's a true fact? Fact. Does that give that's you the dope. ultimate Boston? Interview life? done. Can you, can you like, walk into any <laughs> bar and be like, listen, <laughs> my great, great, great grandfather is why we're all here. Uh, this is me. You, mu you must get free drinks in, in Boston all the time. I mean, I I don't know. If just just off your grandpa. Hey, fuck your music yeah, career, yeah, Sammy. Just off, just off your grandpa. Just Great off. Grandpa. Just off rip. Of, <laughs> just off rip of the lineage. Uh, I mean, it's it's funny because most people don't. Most people don't like, and it's like it's a, it's also hilarious because a lot of people like like I've had a lot of people say shit about uh, Sam Adams. Like, and I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I have some kind of relation to him, but not as close as John Quincy Adams. And I guess Sam Adams was a fucking dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, damn, I'm like, bro, like, couldn't, couldn't just clean it up for me, huh? Um, <laughs> but, it's, but going back to, to, going back to the sports real quick too, I got to ask you this because you see Brian's wearing the, uh, the Tom Brady Jersey. Yes. Um, you know, he, so I recently think that he's become a Bucks fan. Um, frankly, I don't think he's a true, <laughs> a true New England fan. Okay. Yo, but yo, hold on, hold on. Let me set, let me settle this right now though. I have a nine year old dog and his name is Brady. So when Brady moved to the Bucks, like that's just part of my family. Like, Every Sunday, I'm like, Yo, did you Brady, did you ship down. the dog down to Tampa Bay and say, Happy <laughs> <Lord?"> <laughs> see, and that's why I said is a true asshole would say, nope, 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 we're no longer with him, we're no longer with it's the it's a, it's now the Mac Jones era. You got to change know, his name to Mac. <laughs> see, there you go. But on the real though, <laughs> my girlfriend just got a cat and his name is Mac, but it's it's Mac Miller, not Mac Jones, unfortunately. Well, Much bigger legend. Yeah, absolutely, and and shit. I think I think his uh, the anniversary, which was a dark anniversary, was him yeah, last week. So R.I.P. Mac. I mean, he was he was an amazing dude. All right, you guys came up around the same time, right? Yeah, we did. I mean, it was it was crazy because we were we had like a whole plan to do a whole mixtape, and then just management got in the fucking way, and that's probably like one of my biggest regrets in terms of music because he was just so like he was such a wide eyed dude in terms of just like inspirational cool never too cool for a school always like 
like reaching out and saying shit like you know you don't really make music in terms of the hip-hop lane like the rest of these dudes like like let's shut the fuck like shut everyone the fuck up about how two white dudes can't you know do their own thing at the same time <clears throat> and then like there the weird part about the industry is like some people just like will cut you off and that happened to be one of his managers that i just got into a bunch of shit with um because you know i was i just never i never thought of the dude as like good people and i remember yeah. the, the first time i met with the dude um he was like yeah uh i don't give a fuck about you or your music and i probably never will but one day you'll probably sign to me and then he tried to sign me like five years later and i was like yep like, exactly go, uh, go fuck yourself <laughs> have a good one go Meal fuck later. yourself Meal in it <laughs> Oh fuck, dude! Um, finally found you, Enrique Iglesias. That was your. That was the biggest hit. That 20, 20, number twenty five on the Billboard twenty four. I think so. Um, I mean, I got the, I got the plaque in the studio, but yeah, he he's he's crazy because like the way that came about was like I was, I was writing a song and it had like kind of fast paced rap over that beat, and then, um, it was like. I guess he just walked by the studio and we had like the door propped open for like our runner and assistant engineer. And he was like, I love that hook. Like, and then yeah. from, from then on, like I just cut my part. Um, and then it turned into a whole, like a whole banger. And then we were basically like, <clears throat> I mean, we did like probably eight shows together on his run. Um, I can't remember if it was with Pitbull or if it was just like radio shows, but like doing his shows yeah. and stuff, like he flew me down like the weekend of Valentine's Day. And like me and my girl went and flew down and like played the Coliseo for like 25,000 people Jeez, in Puerto Rico. Dude, what was that like? It was Holy insane. Um, it, was, it was insane. And like that, that was mad cool, but like probably what, like I was almost like in tears before doing this set and, and after when we played MSG and sold it out. And it was like, bruh, <laughs> like nothing. Game over, dude. Nothing. No, that's it. That's. Like, That's the pinnacle. Like, nothing compares to that. Like, you know, all the Lollapaloozas, like, maybe the only thing that can really, like, stand up to that is, like, selling out Roseland in New York because that was, like, 6,800 tickets or 6,500 tickets yeah, and stupid. no openers. Like, I didn't have yeah. a laundry list of dudes. Like, this ain't a festival. It's just me. So, um, it was... That's a amazing, man. That, that, that right there, though, like, sorry to interrupt you, but that no, right there... That literally seals the deal on your influence and the actual fan base that you have to do that. That's incredible. And yo, don't leave out though, you played the hometown arena TD Bank oh, yeah. with Pretty Lights, dude. That show was fucking awesome. Yeah, that I mean, that show is so cool because we we kind of just got to we got to vibe and like I I'd honestly been I would say like top five influence when mm -hmm. I dropped out of Trinity and went to go live with my boys at, in Boulder at fucking CU. Like it, it was pretty lights all the time. Like <clears throat> that's kind of yeah. how I got that dubstep influence. Not that he's a dub artist at all, but like the hot like sauce joints and all the, like all like the crazy oh, yeah. 808 joints that he had it was almost like 808s and heartbreak but a little bit more hardcore on the electronic side and oh, yeah. that that was a huge influence on me bro and so like being able to play with him and yeah. you know it was even though it was like probably 50 to 75 percent capacity before he even went on i was i was just hyped to be there and be a part of it and then hearing him like shout me out and like smoking l's with him after like was just super <laughs> cool. yeah. so, like like yeah. like especially especially at the garden like the garden was crazy we're walking by like the floorboards of where like some of the greatest basketball players in boston have yeah. ever played so it was it was crazy you right. know it's like all all these moments have been like <clears throat> kind of like like un like undoubtedly just 
I'm like, wow. Like the old like me, like the old me is like, wow. If you had told me this type of shit would happen from you just chasing your dreams, I would have been like, cat, I'll be going to work at nine. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but I, I'll, I'll be honest though, man. What's, what's, you've been independent for how long now? You left, you were with RCA for three years. Yeah, it's like two and a half until until I had to bag them up. Um, so Yo, so the, so pro- probably ten years. Yeah, the music you've been putting out in the especially the past three years, dude. It blows my mind that you haven't actually even surpassed those early accomplishments. Because yeah, the yeah. songs recently, man, you're you're. It's similar to like I I you know and and we shouldn't compare and contrast in the music business, but we naturally do it, right? And when I talk with my friends just behind the scenes, and now I'm talking to the YouTube community. What's up, everyone? Um, no, but when I when I talk to them, I I always talk about like how Mac was like he he passed away like on his upslope still, like he was just oh, getting better and better, and dude. The new music you've been putting out, bro, it just keeps like you've been rising as a as an artist, as a creative, and it fucks with me that that you know because you're not on a major label. And what we were talking about with the music industry itself, where right. you know it's like these days to push a radio single, you need five hundred thousand dollars to push behind that, to push yeah. even shit 100%. on Spotify and all that. You need thousands of dollars to, and they've monopolized that market, unfortunately. And yeah, the stuff you've sure. been putting out, dude. Yo, action. That song. That's it. That's the eight one. Shout out to Decap. That song is yo, is insane. That that song is like I, the producer. I, producer I work with, my favorite producer. That's when I told him we were doing this interview. He's like, yo, that song, action. He put out in two thousand eighteen did not get any respect that it deserved because that yeah. should be a that shit should be a fucking hit on the radio. And I was like, absolutely, dude. Like, it's just a vibe, man. It makes you, right from the start, that beat hits and then your flow, it just feels good, man. And that's that's where I've been, like, listening to your music and, and realizing, like, yeah, you're, it's it's the typical story these days where you're not on a major label. And so it creates somewhat of a difficulty to actually break through to the masses. Yeah, I mean, there there's so much... Um... There's so much that uh, is like kind of unexplained in terms of like the the major label type shit, and you know it's like what was weird for me is I pretty much got along with everybody at the at the label, but like once they told me that like they couldn't push all night longer because it was a quote unquote drinking song, I'm like my guys. Look at fucking LMFAO. You have a song called Shots. Yeah. The fuck are y'all talking about? <laughs> like, how? It's stupid. Yeah, it's, it's stupid. It's like, I have a clever twist instead of all night long. Like, yeah. I'm not, well, I'm they, not trying... they lost out on that, though. Let's be honest, though. They, they absolutely yeah, I mean, lost out on that. And it's, you know, it was, I think it, I think for that type of thing, some people just don't. Some people just don't understand, um, <clears throat> like the po- the political aspects of labels. Like, there's so many fantastic and hardworking people at labels. Absolutely, and and there's a lot of people that have their feelings, and you know, probably are emotional because you got shelved. But for me, it's like I never even got shelved. Like, I was doing my thing, and I literally left with like more than I came in with. So I, I can't really, I can't relate not to be an asshole, but <laughs> I can't, yeah. I can't relate to like getting dropped or getting shelved. Um, I just got out because once, once you don't execute on your deal, like I'm going to have, you know, my attorneys on that shit. Like we're, we're going to a hundred percent make that known that, you know, we're not getting the either time we deserve or someone, on the board or president or chairman or whatever is not really rocking with us. So it's like, we can't do what we do as artists and managers and production managers and music directors 
we can't do what we want to do because you guys are getting in the fucking way. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Like, it was just a big wake up call to, to the fact that, like, we probably should have waited for another two projects to come out to go do this indie shit and then signed um, a deal. But it's like, you know, like anything in life, like, it's live and learn. It's a lesson. I, but I think to my point, though, is what I, what I was trying to get around to is that you're creating a legacy. And it's, it's yeah. another dude from New York who lives in New York, Gary V. He talks about quick gain and legacy. And it's like you can do things for a quick gain and, and make people happy and get a quick, quick, you know, bankroll in the moment. Or you can make music that's that that will last a lifetime yeah and that's what you're doing man so it doesn't matter like my point is like rca missed out with holding on and really pushing because you're consistently going like this and it's gonna be a matter of time where you're gonna be able to look back and be like yo i just pocketed fucking a couple bags and yeah. you guys would have take 60% of that, but I'm fucking grateful that me and my homies, we decided to go independent because what you're doing right now, it's, it's absolutely, it's, it's independent and it's, it's going to make it on its own. And it's, it's got a legacy to it, which is beautiful. And that, like, well, what I was going to compound on that too, is, is there a difference in your creative process or creative flow really since you left RCA and, you know, really were a hundred percent independent? Uh, definitely. I think, <clears throat> I think like, and that's a really good question. Cause like w- at RCA, they kind of, you know, they kind of give you like, like go to this studio, go do that. Like have a couple things for me to do at night. I can knock those out in 30 minutes and then we can get down to like kind of the bare bones. Like we really wanted to, to start fresh and we were never understood at the labels yeah. like they didn't know how to move our music because they're like okay well this one single is like rhythmic potentially could be urban and then these other joints are pop but they're dubstep breaks and like breakdown so and i was like yo this is perfect like it's a it's a case study on how to fucking mind fucking a and r like yeah. <laughs> literally it's like bro let's go it's like it's insane because this you know it's like most of most of the time like the music we were making was was just like it it was out of left field like you you know doing like doing any session and making and producing a record with producers and it's like you know whether it's a dude no one's ever heard of in like an electronic type of wave or trance or dance fucking even like slow step dubstep anything we found ways to make records that just like hit different and absolutely and i think that's like the main thing about uh making music is i think for all these like social media joints um like they just they just kind of slow your process down. So when you're in album mode, like make sure people know when you're playing shows, make sure people know you're still like making music and stuff. But at the same time, like no one can dictate your pace or your creative flow. Like you can. And like, I needed to realize that like two years before I actually did. So, yeah. um, I'm like, I'm also like kind of grateful because like it's a wake up call I needed and it's a wake up call to like, like when you get too comfortable, I immediately go out of my comfort zone and, and try to like, try to do things that are just different. And sometimes it works. And sometimes it sounds like shit. Like the other day, me and my fucking boy, Fredro were trying to write a K-pop song and it sucked dick. It was, (laughs) it was awful. Yeah, I mean it's it's cool too because like now now also like and and there's you know there there's a bunch of you know genres are starting to kind of mold and mesh together and 
the labels not in terms of like the Sony's and the you know Warner Brothers and Atlantics. They're probably not going anywhere, but the labels for music are starting yeah. to, you know, kind of just like disappear. Because like, look at Drake. Drake's like making whatever he wants, um, and it's like oh, you yeah. know whether it's whether it's shit that you like or not, it doesn't really matter because he's definitely not worried about your opinion, which is how I think most artists should feel about their music. Like, make music. Well, I feel like yeah, you've done that though. Like that's 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 been the 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 backbone of your music career is you don't fucking care what box people put you in. You're just like yo, I'm gonna make music that I love, and that's that's what's been so cool for me following your career, where it's like you you started off doing you know the first couple projects that came out were like pretty much in the straight hip hop realm, but then you started to branch off into to like dubstep yep. and the pop and. And these days, it's man, you just, it's it's not a business move. It's this is what I right. feel in the moment, and this is what and, and that me. you know, and it's it's also and, like, you know, dubstep, and you know, it's like even, even like super hard style and deep house has made such an amazing comeback, and like dance music has always just like been something where I've been to these festivals as like a kid with like a fake ID and I'm going to, I'm going to these shows and like, you know, I think the first show I ever saw was like Skrillex and Tiesto when no one knew who Skrillex was. And like, and like, you know, we, I was there dolo at like 16 and a half. And <laughs> was that, was that in Boston? It was so, like it was, I don't know why I was in New York. Um, I think it was I think it was around the time I was like 17 or 18 and I just went dolo to the show and it's like it was crazy because I like met like <laughs> met a bunch of like Argentinian and Brazilian girls and like they're like doing poppers and I'm like what the fuck is that and, and it just turns your whole head into like it's like I was like, not exactly my cup of tea, to be honest. I'd rather smoke some weed, but you know, you, you you'll get tossed real quick. Especially the fact that, especially the fact that when I was sixteen, I probably looked like I was eleven and a half. <laughs> but yeah, it's like like for real. What's what was that? No, what was that? Sorry. Sorry no, no. Uh, I was just saying, what what's on the horizon for you? What do you, what do you got going on um, next? We, I mean, I've, I have a just absolute laundry list of joints that I've been working on, um, for a while have like some almost like rock and fuse, like hip hop records with 808 mafia, um, been working with a ton of people in terms of just like trying to like, it's, it's crazy. Cause when you diversify yourself into writing music for other people and producing for other people you kind of find new lanes for where your music can fit in. Um, and there's a lot less pressure writing for other people. I'm pretty precious with my music and I want it to be so, um, like perfect, if you will, that you need to kind of step out of that and realize that it's not, it's not really about, uh, how perfect it is like sometimes those in like imperfections make a whole track like perfect example of that is like kanye west my beautiful dark twisted fantasy or dark twisted beautiful fantasy whoever the fuck it is that record is crazy because his imperfections like make those tracks special like you can tell he's going through some shit so it's like that it's always been something that um I've tried to emulate where it's like you can't be too precious with your music, but at the same time, you can't just be throwing out Lucy's that suck. Um, so it's like, like the follow up yeah. to drip has to be solid. The, the next record we're putting out is this joint by me and Steve's field from 808 mafia. And it's just like, it's, it's just a different lane, but it's perfect as a follow up for that record. So Super hyped to like oh, get yeah. that out. We've been talking about like video, like marketing, all the, all the promo side of that, which like is really not my cup of tea, and like why I'm stoked that I linked with the Novo and Sam. Um, 
down in Nashville because it's it's uh, it definitely takes a lot off my plate that I don't have to worry about where I send it, how much money yeah. I'm spending, and you know it's like there's a lot of ways that you can leverage your um, your records with someone posting on TikTok, someone posting on their Instagram. It's like it's it basically is just like a a big uh, a big forum of people trying to help, you know, other artists out, um, and getting your music out. So it's, uh, it's kind of like the wild, wild west at this point, but the music industry has never not been like that. It just depends on what medium is really pushing it out. And now it's Spotify and Apple music instead of, you know, the kiss FMs in every city and the, and the K rocks and all those, all those like stations that, you know, they had a strong hold on the music industry for a long time, especially with like payola and shit, which, you know, quote unquote, never, oh, yeah. never existed. Oh, it's yeah. like cap. <laughs> well, yo, last question. If you had an autobiography written about your life today, what would the title be? Dark days and bright nights. Ooh. Dark days and bright nights. That's one of my favorites. I like that. I love that, dude. Well, yo, that's Sammy Adams, ladies and gentlemen, the homie, Boston boy, coming to us from New York with the lobster and beer. Sammy, we dude, love thank you, dog. You, thank you guys so much next, for having me on. Uh, what's the next, the single, next single is probably this joint called Attention, which I will shoot over to y'all right now.